and welcome to Cooking for Love, a podcast exploring the stories of people who cook from the heart, inspired by my nanny who taught me what cooking for love meant. I'm Kate Mobley and this week I'll be chatting to Zoss Fulwell. Zoss runs a wonderful Filipino catering business in Manchester called Mama Z. The name came from a nickname given to her as she became the mama of her group of friends and loved hosting dinner parties. Zoss is half Filipino and half English and grew up in the Middle East, meaning that she was exposed to a plethora of cuisines and cultures, and she is one of the most knowledgeable foodies I know. After graduating from Manchester Uni, Zoss worked in bars and then kitchens, working her way up and refining her cooking skills. She enjoyed her job, but unfortunately had a hard time in the last kitchen she worked in, which gave her the push to start out on her own. After spending three months travelling in the Philippines, Zoss decided to start Mama Z full-time, bringing Filipino food to Manchester. She started off in street food and now runs regular pop-ups, cooking classes and events in Manchester. She also has her own range of really delicious sauces that she started bottling in lockdown, including a banana ketchup which was featured in The Guardian. Despite being busy with her own business, Zoss also manages to volunteer with the local charity Cracking Good Food, helping to cook and deliver meals for kids during the summer holidays. She was also nominated for a Lockdown Hero Award for her work in sending Filipino food to frontline NHS workers during the pandemic. On top of all her success, Zoss is a wonderfully kind, bubbly and hilarious woman who is always willing to lend a hand to those who ask. When I was first starting out in street food and completely overwhelmed by everything, she kindly met up with me and explained it all, despite not knowing me. I better stop fangirling now and Hi. actually get with it. Thanks for having so, me. Very nice to have you. Our first live interview. Oh my god. I know. Um, all the other ones have been on Zoom. So oh, okay. It's oh, I feel honoured. Thank very you. Very exciting. Did you have a good... Christmas, New Year. Yeah, it was really good. Uh, a lot of good food, a lot of good times. And yeah, it was just a nice way to end the year, I think. But looking forward to just getting stuck back in now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was really good. How was yours? Yeah, it was good. I had a lockdown Christmas. Oh no. But it was mine and my husband's first Christmas together. Okay. So it was nice, but we missed our family. Yeah, definitely. Lot. Yeah, it was tough in a way. But then... Yeah, still got some nice time together. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Right, I always ask people before we dive in, what's something you've cooked recently that made you excited? Um, well, so even before Christmas, I feel like I've just been eating so well, just being a complete glutton, basically. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so Isn't that what a foodie's about? Being yeah, a foodie's about. I think celebrating my thirtieth about over a month and then it was Christmas I was like I just need to have a bit of a break so (laughs) I've been doing I'm not veganuary because I can't live without eggs sadly Mm -hmm. as everyone knows I love eggs so I've just been doing veggie meals and trying to be veggie uh, this month and also no booze which uh, it's going well so far Um, but yeah so I made cow soy which is obviously a curried Thai dish with mm-hmm. noodles and a broth and um I've only ever had it with chicken before but that was probably 
one of my favourite things that I've cooked so far in the year. Which sounds delicious. Or vegan. So yeah, it was great. And so do you make the paste yourself? Yeah, so you just make the paste. It's got loads of um, kaffir lime leaves, galangal, ginger, lemongrass, all the good stuff. Cook it off. Veg stock. Mm-hmm. I did oyster mushrooms and tofu with it. Then crispy wontons on top. Oh, it was just, yeah, it was great. Mm. That's, oh, it takes me back because one of my first times travelling on my own was in Thailand. Oh, okay. And I had a night in Chiang Mai on my own and went and found the street food market and had, like, a very sensory experience Mm -hmm. having a bowl of cow soy on the roadside. It Mm. was so good. Yeah, one of my favourite food memories. So when I saw you were making it, I was like, oh, bet me chance. Oh, you need to make it. It's, yeah, yeah, proper just good soul food. Mm -hmm. And if you can make one and it takes you back to that time, even better. Yeah. You know, food memories are great when they're like that, aren't they? It's funny how, yeah, one dish, like, can transport you back to a certain spot. Mm, Definitely. And you were saying before that the paste um, is quite like the most labour-intensive bit of it. So if you can make a big batch of the cow soy paste and freeze it, then you can easily... Yeah, definitely. I mean, I made extra because I thought, I was like, I'll make it, you know, Mm -hmm. I'd quite like to make this again. And then um, all you have to do afterwards is just add your stock and your coconut Mm -hmm. milk and whatever proteins you want to add in. Um, So, yeah, I think after the paste, then you're good to go. It's pretty simple afterwards. Sounds so good. Yeah, what mine is, is I'm in lockdown. I've had so many, like, dishes I've wanted to make for ages on my list, but just never got around to it. And then I was like, right, I've finally got the time. So I made shoiru ramen. Oh, wow. How, like, labour-intensive was that? It was quite labour-intensive. How long did it take you? Um, A couple days of, like, preparing everything. Yeah, for sure. I can imagine. But most of it's, like... Like the broth, you just put it on and leave it, and then the, you make the noodles, the eggs, you just put them in the fridge, and that's mm-hmm. it. So it wasn't like too labour intensive, but it just took a while. It's the time though, mm-hmm. isn't it? And then cleaning the meat, and then boiling yeah. the meat. Yeah. Is that the one where you use, is it pig, is it pig trotters? You're supposed to, I didn't have any in. Okay. But I had um, some pork belly ribs, mm-hmm. so I just used those. Um but yeah, it was still very good. Was it delicious? Yeah. It's like, it's like one of those where you just don't want it to end. Oh. Especially when you've like crafted this thing mm-hmm. and it's taken you like two days. Like mm-hmm. you said, there's nothing better. You're just like, oh, I can just beat the rewards of this amazing dish. Yeah. You know? Like <laughs> we'd spent all day because we decided to paint our house. Okay. Um, <laughs> so we painted all day and then to have that at the end was... Oh, that sounds perfect. Yeah, it was good. Oh my gosh. I mean, obviously, we're both massive foodies. Yeah. Um, Was cooking quite a big thing for you growing up, or Um, was it a big part of your family? I'd say I only started cooking when I moved out of home, to be honest. Oh, really? Yeah, I, you know, some people I speak to are like, oh, I used to cook this with my mum, or. You know, even my sisters used to make scones with my grandma. I never really did all of that. I had no interest in that. It was only until I got older that I was like... Like, food was a massive part of, you know, my family. And I was very lucky to have great food from my dad's side. So all the British sort of 
um, home-cooked meals to my mum's Filipino food. But would I say that I was, like, involved and wanted to cook when I was younger? No, probably not. I'd eat it. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew what dishes I wanted to eat and what I fancied. And, um, but it was only until I got older that I was like, okay, I haven't got anyone to cook this for me now, so I need to start learning. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like you were saying, for me, food is about a feeling and, you know, a memory. And if I'm feeling ill, then... I want this certain type of dish. And for me, that's like congee, which is lugao and Tagalog. So I think that was the first sort of dish that I was like, I need, I need to make this for myself because this is what I need right now. I think I had really bad freshers flu or something. And uh, that was a type of food that was craving. So. Yeah, craving the comfort and yeah. nutri- nutritious Because that's what my mum would make me when I was yeah. ill when I was younger. So it's sort of that whole thing of like, oh, yeah, okay, this is... Yeah, I need to start cooking things. And then I think eventually, as the years went on, I really enjoyed it. And, yeah, that's, yeah. So interesting, like, um, that what kick-started it was the, like, comfort food dish. So congee, did you say it's called something different? different yeah, so, I mean, all across Asia, yeah. we have different forms and variations of congee. Mm-hmm. In Tagalog, so the main dialect of the Philippines, it's called lugao. Mm-hmm. But then you have... Arascaldo, which is um that has chicken in, but lugar is probably like the just the plain rice congee, maybe we right. have with an egg. But then you can have different toppings which have different names and variations. But essentially it's the same sort of like rice, savory mm-hmm. porridge, um, which I love and I make all the time. What's your favourite like version? <gasps> oh, it's hard. I mean Sometimes I don't even need, like, you know, chicken or whatever with it. Do you use the chicken stock? Yeah, so anytime I have any bones or whatever, I'll try and... I'll, pre- I'll just stick them in the freezer. Or if I have, like, fish stock, I can do a fishy stock as well. It completely depends. It's just a great way to use up what's lying about. If you've got mushrooms left over, fry some mushrooms off and put it on top, like... Mm-hmm couldn't give you a definitive lugal because it's sort of one of those dishes that I'm like, okay, I have some rice left over. I can use this, I can use this. And kind mm. of, it's a great dish to use up what's lying around, but also, you know, it's just delicious. Mm. So. I love that kind of dish where it's like, different every time you make it, always delicious, but mm. you could, if you had a good one, you probably couldn't even recreate it because... There's loads of dishes yeah. where you freestyle and you're like, oh, it'll mm. never be that good, but... It was really good. Yeah. Um, but I think that everyone will have their own version of how they make it. You know, my version is probably very different to how my mum made it for me, but that's the beauty of it. Mm-hmm. You know, you can add your own style and twist to it, but I just get great pleasure in using up scraggy bits of whatever's lying in the fridge mm-hmm. and using it so that, you know, nothing's gone to waste and you can enjoy it. So, Yeah. I think we're both a stickler for food waste and mm. try and prevent it as much as possible. Yeah, for sure. I think everyone should, if they can, when they can as well, mm-hmm. um, if they've got the time to definitely try and do that. Yeah. I think it's also just knowing what you can eat and what you can't. Like, when growing up, we didn't really eat any Asian food. Mm. And then we start, me and my mum started experimenting and... Like, we would buy spring onions and chop the green bit off and throw it away. 
which now <laughs> when I think back to it, I'm like, that breaks my heart. <laughs> but it's like, there's a lot of people like that still now who just don't know mm. what bits to use or what how to use it up. So Definitely. Um, yeah, just trying to think of what you can use everything for. Sometimes, you, you know, there's lo- I think because everyone's cooking at the moment, I think it's certainly there's a rise in even young people cooking now. There's things that, you know, like cabbage leaves, ro- like roasted cabbage leaves, not cabbage leaves, um, cauliflower leaves. That yeah. would always get thrown away. But now I'm like, no, I'd just roast the whole thing mm-hmm. and eat the whole lot. It's absolutely delicious. And they're really good, yeah. Mm. Quite nutty and like, yeah, they're really good. There's loads of things that even I'm still learning about, um, you know, not wasting. Um, so I feel like everyone can always learn from from people because you might do something that someone else doesn't know, you know, yeah. want to do something and vice versa. So, yeah. Um, apart from... Apart from Lugau, mm-hmm. um, do you have any other favourite food memories from childhood? Yeah, there's a lot of like broths and um, Filipino food is very savoury. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of like um, sort of sour dishes. So sinigang, which is like a tamarind broth soup. I love that as well. That's That can be with fish or pork I mean we didn't have pork in Philippine in in Saudi sorry so my mum used to do it with fish mm-hmm. and I love that even from a young age like bony fish and you know something like it's quite natural to me to be picking out mm-hmm. the bones and eating cuts of fish like that some people are put off by it oh yeah for like, sure yeah. and like you know peeling prawns I feel like I've just done that mm-hmm. since birth I find <laughs> it as part of like the enjoyment I mean yeah. I can't have fish but like peeling prawn peeling prawns or like cracking into a crab oh. like, I love that yeah so those types of things um and then there's adobo which mm-hmm. is like a Filipino classic so obviously in Saudi it'd be chicken most of the time and then but you know in the Philippines you can have mixed ones you can have them with egg some people have it with pineapple it depends where you go mm-hmm. um so and obviously, when I'd go to Philippines, my aunts would cook food, but they cook it differently to how my mum did. So there's different that must be quite interesting. Oh yeah, um, my auntie, so my tita Sarah, she had like um, like a little. It's like a convenience shop, but it's not. So it's called a tindahan, which is just basically a shop front, which is in front of a house, mm-hmm. and she just sells like household things like shampoo, soap. Mm-hmm. But every day she'd have maybe four or five home-cooked dishes, big pot of rice, and then, you know, if people can be bothered cooking, they can get a nice home-cooked meal to take home, or she had some tables and chairs and you could sit there and eat. So very often I'd already eaten, but being, you know, the kid that just loved food, <laughs> she'd be like, have you eaten? And I'd be like, no, no. And she'd be like, okay, what do you want? And I'd sit down and I'd have, like, lunch, like, part two with her. And she cooked things that my mum didn't cook, which was nice. So I have loads of different food memories from the women in my life that have cooked very different things. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also my dad cooking, you know, the Western dishes that my mum couldn't cook at home. So he'd cook like lamb stew and lamb shank and beef stew. And, you know, there's times when I'd be like, I don't like this because it had like lentils and stuff in when I was younger and spinach. But now yeah. I'm like... 
I love all those things. Yeah. Um, which I think is so interesting how all of that changes as well as you grow up or your taste and stuff. But I'd say that um, it was a real mix of food and then also we'd eat the Arabic food. Mm-hmm. So the food that my parents didn't cook, but our favourite restaurants did. So those just are also part you, yeah. Yeah, of my memory. And all, even going to my friends' houses because I went to an international school. It was great. I mean, during Ramadan, I remember in Ramadan, they'd have, oh God, just like the best food. And you'd have all the amazing Egyptian food that my friend's mum would cook. So I feel very lucky to, have, you know, have all these food memories. But I think that's just why I just love eating mm. all the things and travelling to eat all the things and stuff. Yeah, I think you're very lucky that you were exposed to a lot of different cuisines and it was just part of your knowledge growing up. And Yeah. Um, it's really exciting and like just yeah being aware of like oh this is specifically Egyptian rather than yeah like another Arab country like you can distinguish between that is like it's pretty cool oh I mean that's I mean I've still got like loads of things that I don't know about but yeah it is nice and I, I feel lucky that I was able to try all those things and I take a lot of influence from, you know, all of those food memories to now with everything I cook. Um, so when did you realise you wanted to cook then? If you weren't that interested in it when you were growing up, you're more interested in the food side rather than cooking. Um, probably when maybe like, my early 20s, maybe like my early 20s when I'd moved out of halls at uni and I got my first house and it was like, guys, I'm going to cook dinner for everyone, I lived with eight people in this house, all boys, <laughs> apart from my friend Rachel, so it was just us and the guys. And then I'd like cook adobo because I was like, I want you to try Filipino food and cook adobo and then you cook that adobo and you're like, how can I make that better? I'm going to make it again. And then it just became this thing of like, do you want to come over for dinner, you know? Still partying or whatever, but we we try and do some sort of family meal for mm-hmm. everyone. And then, um, as like the years went on, I think I really enjoyed doing loads of different food. Um, just remember loads of things from when I went away, or wanted to recreate things that I'd eaten, like I was saying from when I was younger. And then it all sort of just stemmed from there, and I was just like loving cooking a lot of it was for myself and then you'd be like okay I made this thing like do you want to come over for dinner and we'd have like sushi parties or whatever sometimes it it tastes better when you share it right yeah and it's all part of like learning isn't it cooking for one person is then cooking for like eight people Mm -hmm. obviously then it just slowly branched out and was like oh maybe I could do this for work and then yeah, started cooking in the kitchen and then that's when it sort of took off, mm-hmm. really. But How long did you work in, like, restaurant slash bar, kitchen? So store? I was probably in the kitchen for about six years until I was like, yeah, I'm going to... And it, that was a gradual thing as well mm-hmm. because I was working um, at a place that was a bar and a kitchen. And I just wasn't seeing daylight in the bar and I was like, please can I like work in the kitchen? Like I love cooking and like, but I, you know, this lifestyle just isn't suiting me anymore and the hours were 
slightly better. I mean, I saw daylight, mm-hmm. so it means, you know, it was still a long day, but at least I was getting a bit more of a routine. And then slowly, slowly I did that. Whilst I was working in the kitchen in the Northern Quarter, I was sort of helping my friend Sarah out as well and doing different events. Oh, so you were exposed to like different yeah. versions of cooking and Yeah, so I was ways. sort of like dipping my toes into things because I sort of in the back of my mind, I, I was like, oh, I'm going to open a cafe. It was going to be called Cafe's Arse. This was the idea back in the day. <laughs> but I always wanted my own little place. So yeah. To do something with cooking. Um, so, you know, all through uni, I sort of worked and then worked in kitchens and then the last year and a bit to two years, which was before I went self-employed, was when I ran a deli in the Northern Quarter and that was like, it was great because I loved my customers and I loved my job. I just really didn't enjoy who I worked with. So, um, that can be so, um, draining. That was exactly the word that I was going to say. It was because every day I was just like, how this isn't going to change. And, you know, I spoke to management and they just didn't seem to think it was an issue. And I was like, and, you know, even before I started there, I laid it out on the table and I was like, look, I don't want to be part of your banter. I'm just here to do my job. And I didn't even want to run the deli. I got so stressed out with my other job in the kitchen I just wasn't getting paid enough and, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the time I was doing service on my own, it was really stressful and then um, I just wanted to wait on for a year or so to figure out what I wanted to do because I always had in the back of my mind, I was like, I want to do something and this was when sort of street food was like kicking off in Manchester and I was going to like um, street food events and speaking to like my friends at Yakumama and whatever and being mm-hmm. like, I think this is what I want to do but I don't know you know what I want to do and they were like just do it what food would you want to do so it was sort of you know and then doing events with like my friend Sarah I was like oh I could do events catering you know she did weddings she did pop-ups she did supper clubs so that was always in the back of my mind to do that mm-hmm. um so yeah I suppose it was just a gradual thing how I started to like love to learn cooking to then working with food mm-hmm. I suppose well I'm so glad that your like bad experience didn't put you off altogether because I have a feeling that it does put a lot of people off and oh, yeah. some great chefs are put off the industry by that horrible like culture that can happen in some places or I think a um, lot of people just take it. Mm-hmm. I think for, you know, there's still a massive lack of females in kitchens. Um I think guys just you could just see some of the chefs like really couldn't be bothered with it themselves but they just had to get on with it and you know pretend like it was banter with them otherwise they'd probably get picked on more or yeah you know they weren't part of the team and that's just that's just the kitchen you know it's part and parcel and it's like no it doesn't have to be like that like why can't we just all come to work and do our job and respect each other yeah like not come into my space and you know throw things at me across the pass it's just not I you know what, it's just not funny. Yeah. A lot of it. If we're both not laughing, it's not banter. It's not like. They just, yeah, they just didn't care. I'm not saying all kitchens are like no, that, don't no. get me wrong. Like, it was just. That was the final straw for me. I was like, no, I'm not doing this. And I think there's a lot more going on to like help chefs know what restaurants work for and 
there's like communities like Counter Talk and London and then ladies of restaurants as well that mm-hmm. um, are helping women to feel like they're not necessarily on their own and to like just have a space so we can come together and talk about that stuff which is really cool definitely yeah do you ever find that cooking for money like rather than just cooking for joy cooking for your pals do you ever find that that takes anything out of it for you like the admin side is rubbish sometimes and the pressure um i'm gonna say like the admin side yeah is is rubbish Mm -hmm. it's part and parcel i hate paperwork of that because you know we just want to get stuck in the kitchen and be creative but don't get me wrong like there's been some times when i've cooked the same thing (laughs) you know like long pop-ups for like two weeks or whatever and you're like i'm so done cooking this food you know, that's why I always bring my own different lunches because you're cooking the same menu. Mm-hmm. I do get a bit like Groundhog Day with that. That sometimes takes the fun out of it. Sometimes as well, like I'll think really hard about my next pop-up menu because I want to cook something different. And then people just come and they're like, yeah, where's the adobo fries? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I tried to do something different for you. You've perfected a dish now. Everyone wants it's it. It's just like, it's like, oh, okay, that's just all they want. And then, so sometimes it's a bit annoying like that. But then I think, well, do you know what? I'd rather do the supper clubs and events like that where I can just showcase, like, different dishes that people don't get at the street food mm-hmm. um, sort of pop-ups. Yeah, I think that's... I really respect how you've, like, crafted your own kind of space in the catering business and you just do events that you want to do and you've like done the graft of doing hatch for the summer and yeah. you've learned like how to do events in a way that you want to do it and yeah really respect that. god hatch <laughs> that's so when long. i first met you i know it seems so long ago that but that i that was i felt like that was such a good time Mm-hmm. We were in there a really nice time, I think. I mean, the weather was amazing. Weren't you there over the World Cup? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That's it was, like, like Got gorgeous. to be the best time ever. Especially outside in the courtyard. Yeah. It was just amazing. But just the buzz, I think, at that the learning time. learning curve of, like, running a kitchen consistently for that amount of time oh, yeah. must have been amazing. I don't know how I did that. I still think, you know, there's, like, three months back-to-back. There's no day off, really. I did Monday take off. <laughs> we didn't have one day off. Did you not? No, it was it was. Um, was it seven days a week? Yeah. That is madness. Yeah. So no like, wonder you've perfected the adobo. God, sometimes, sometimes I still make them. Some, sometimes I still make them, and I'm like, oh god, that's the best one I've mm. I've ever made, or slightly different. I don't know. But um, I don't think we've actually actually described adobo. Can you talk me through it? So adobo is probably a national dish in the Philippines, mm-hmm. and basically, it's it traditionally historically it's um, like stewed chicken with garlic, bay leaves, and vinegar. And then um, when we had China. And our hacker Chinese settlers come to the Philippines. They then brought soy sauce. So then that dish sort of changed again. Mm-hmm. And um, it then added soy sauce. So actually, traditionally, it's just with the vinegar, the garlic and the bay leaves, which is from our Spanish, because we were colonized by Spain for many years. 
So that's something that um, Spain brought over because obviously they preserve a lot of food. They cook a lot with vinegar. Those mm-hmm. are sort of their ingredients. And in a hot country, it's a perfect way to keep food um, safe. It preserves it. And then obviously they just realise it's so tasty to be cooking with vinegar that it's sort of just it's part and parcel of the cuisine now, you know, all the dipping sauces and everything else. But yeah, so it's like tenderizes the meat as well, right? Yeah. And yeah, it's just delish. So now it's, it's so funny because it sounds so simple. It is. But it's so delicious. It's just and Maybe you know because I've had your one, but No, but even when I've made it like I always make an adobo when I go away and it's not even the soy sauce that I want or it's not the right vinegar. I've still made it and it's still been really good. Every what time. vinegar do you use? So I use... Or are you allowed to tell me? No, I can tell you. <laughs> I use... Um, sometimes I use coconut vinegar, which is nice. Mm. So you can get that in the Asian supermarket. But usually just white distilled vinegar mm. is fine. Or cane, white cane vinegar. Yeah. So I'd say most Filipinos use um, white cane vinegar. And then it's soy. And then peppercorns, garlic, bay leaves. But then you can throw in coconut milk, you can throw in a bit of turmeric, you can put ginger in. There's so many different variations, but... I I think I like the thought of keeping it simple. Yeah, I like it simple. And some Mm -hmm. people are like, oh, you can do it with chicken and pork. I just like it with chicken. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, that's like really nostalgic to what my mum would make. And in every Filipino household in however shape or form they will have a dobo you know but their own version of it so yeah can you describe for us mm-hmm. you mentioned your supper clubs the best supper club i've ever been to is your one oh, your boodle fight i think that was probably one of my favorites yeah it was just amazing like the way the food kind of brought everyone together everyone was chatting and yeah so just describe what a boodle fight is. So a boodle fight is where you lay the table with banana leaves and um, typically you would have all the food in the middle and you would help your, help like yourselves. But obviously, you know, when you're catering for different people and they don't all know each other, I'd maybe do that like if it was like all of us and it was our friends. I'd mm-hmm. do a boodle fight where everyone just helped themselves because we all know each other. But mm-hmm. in that instance, I sort of had everything on separate plates and everyone passed it around um and then everyone ate with their hands so it's quite a social event I feel and that I think the one that you came to which was one of the I think that was just before Covid I think it was maybe like January January February just before it was so good because it was just it was in my friend's studio I remember and they like made all the lighting really cool and no one knew where it was and it was just a really nice Everyone just got on in the end and was friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you had some things on the table. Some things were on the table, and then some of the things because obviously some people were veggie, or, you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah, we pass all of that round. Um, oh, so cool! I love eating with my hands as well. So to be told in the UK, right? You you're allowed to eat with your hands. It yeah. was really fun. It's um, yeah, it's like an immersive thing, and there's something about it's a tactile thing, isn't mm-hmm. it? Eating food with your hands. I mean. You either eat with a spoon and fork in the Philippines or with your hands. Okay. Um, and my, my Lola always said that food tastes better eating with your hands. It definitely does. Um, and sometimes at home I still do it with certain dishes and my mm. arm just, you know, 
screw the cutlery and I'm just going to eat with my hands. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's something quite Filipino about that when I do it. I'm like, ah, oh, this is, you know, my roots. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that was... more connected. Yeah, for sure. But that was, yeah, one of my favourites of clubs, I think. Mm-hmm. It was so good. And everyone was great. Like, everyone's really quiet when they first came in. And by the end, they're like, oh my God. I'm sure they all exchange Facebook. Yeah. So... You obviously cook for love quite a lot. Mm-hmm. What is it about cooking for loved ones that you enjoy? Um, I get pleasure, like, just making someone happy from just from food. I don't know, like, the best way, especially, like, the year, you know, like, oh, it's great. Like, I have food parcels from friends. Someone posted a cheesecake from a letterbox. Like, I was like, this is amazing. That sounds amazing. You know, we're all just sort of making sure we're okay through our bellies. And, you know, when my friends got COVID, I went and sent them a big pot of adobo and put it on the doorstep. And there's just something... Because food's important for everyone, you know? Like, and I think that's quite a... this. It's a language that everyone sort of speaks, so... If you can make someone happy by something you've made or take the stress out of someone's day by something you've made or make someone feel better, you know, like, you you do it for loads of things, don't you? Like, when your friends have a baby, like, have a mm-hmm. baby, they'll tend to just want some freezer meals so that they don't have yeah. to, you know, that's like a sign of, like, showing love. Or when your friend's sick, they will make them some, you know, some nice soup to make them feel better so yeah I just love it I'm a bit of a feeder though but like try this <laughs> have some more have some more have some more but that's yeah, also really like Filipino oh well. really yeah it's always like have you eaten that's the main question that they ask like my, I was saying about my aunt mm-hmm. um so I think it's like ingrained. I love that though it's so caring yeah and that's how you know we show love I think through food so that's why I love doing it. And it relaxes me as well. Like, I get, I, I can really chill out when I'm um, cooking and find it quite therapeutic. So it's a two-way thing. Mm-hmm. I might make something and it'll take me four hours, but I'm really chilled. And I've really enjoyed making it. And then if someone else can enjoy it afterwards, then great. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a nice feeling, isn't it? Oh, that was really lovely. <laughs> summed up what cooking for love means. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, I think what you said about lockdown as well and people turning to cooking, I think a lot of people had moved away from it and mm. kind of lost connection with food and the fact that there was the, like, sourdough craze and... Banana bread. Banana bread and people, <laughs> like, going back to food and, like, connecting with it was, um, yeah, quite telling. So I hope that continues post-lockdown. I think so. I think people have realize maybe well not not everyone but you know like I love the restaurants but I think a lot of people have realized as well maybe that um, the amount of labor and love that goes into cooking dishes mm-hmm. hopefully people have you know decided to go and shop at more local places to get all the delicious things to cook all those things as well so I feel like a lot of people have probably learned a lot of things and you know hopefully local businesses have benefited from that people like volunteering at you know garden like garden centers and stuff because you know they wanted to have a little bit of human interaction but now 
are growing vegetables. Mm. I know so many people that grew loads of stuff during lockdown, which is amazing. That's really cool. And then now probably cooking with it and having more of an interest with where our food's from. And I think it's important, if you can, you know, to be cooking and stuff. Yeah, I think eating food, like home-cooked food, is so important. And like you say, shopping local way where you can, like, I shop a bit at the farm shop near us, Abbey Lays, and they said, they, I mean, they were just so busy. That's amazing. Which was amazing, but I really hope that people carry it on mm. and it just becomes part of their routine. Is, yes, you probably can't get your whole shop there, but the eggs you're going to get from there are infinitely better. The, like, the bread, you can get trove bread there, which you For can't sure. get in anywhere else near here and so like things like that I hope that becomes part of people's routine Mm, definitely if you're having a group of pals around I mean you're quite a foodie so I imagine you always (laughs) are making something different but what's like your favorite dish to cook with people oh oh I don't know I I think it depends one on my mood and what I've eaten that week you don't often repeat dishes I feel sometimes I do but this is Honestly, I wake up and I'm like, right, I want this. And then by 12 o'clock, that might change. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, so it, it depends. If my friends are coming over and, you know, sometimes they're all veggie or I've got a new cookbook. So I think the last thing I cooked was, I think it was that Pippi's book, actually. I cooked, like, aubergine, um, those noodles... It was a like bang bang. Yeah, noodles. it was like aubergine, mm. bang bang. And then um, I did her courgette and wooden mushroom dumplings. Um, it just totally depends, honestly, mm-hmm. like on who's coming around, um, you know, what I have. Or sometimes it'd be like, have you got any requests? Mm-hmm. Is there something that you want to eat? Um, so it, it totally depends. Yeah, I like that, that you, yeah, change it, change it based on your mood and then who's coming. Yeah, or I'll be like, I'm thinking of doing this, so I'll plan a little menu, like, okay, I'm thinking of doing this, do you want Sometimes this? Sometimes the most fun bit of planning. Yeah, or I'm thinking of doing this, do you want this? Mm-hmm. Which is like all the time with me and Rick and it gets quite annoying because he's like, is this what all you think about like all day I'm like yeah what are we gonna have for dinner like do you want to do this or do you want to do this and like because his brain just doesn't think like that um but I'm sure he loves it really um so he gets most of my dinner party sort of like the dinners we cook with each other are pretty good Mm -hmm. in terms of cooking different things but so do you would you cook differently if it's just you if you're having a night in just you and Mr Fabes yeah so Again, like that sauce is cut, by the way. Yeah, he's the best. <laughs> um, he also sometimes is featured on my Instagram quite a lot because um, he's very integral to my music. Yeah, yeah. And, my, and my life. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, sometimes it can just be something really simple, like maybe some stir fried noodles or some like my favorite. My comfort meal is just egg. And rice mm-hmm. with like bachelo and maybe some steamed veg or steamed fish with rice and broccoli. Um, 
it just depends and then obviously what's in like do a bit of a freezer raid or unless there's something I specifically really really want at the moment I'm going through you know the TikTok recipe where it's the rice balls with so she does it with salmon salmon. does it with flake salmon and you're like Get your rice and salmon, you sort of like mush it all up together and then you put like sesame oil, um, spring onion, cube pie or whatever. But I've just been doing it with tuna. Mm-hmm. So with tuna, I put avocado and I roll them into little balls and then I put a little bit of cube pie because I'm not mega, mega into mayo, but it does work with it. Mm-hmm. A bit of um, takoyaki sauce, wasabi, pickled ginger and then I just have a bowl of miso soup. Oh, that sounds good. It's so it's just like little picky bits, mm-hmm. but like dead fresh and good, but still really comforting. And then just a little bowl of broth. Like I've eaten that quite a few times on my own. Yeah, I get that a bit sounds obsessed. Like, a good, like whilst watching Netflix. Oh yeah, just like real self comfort. Yeah, I get some. I don't know about you, but you know sometimes when you make something, you're like, oh my god, that was so good. Like the first time I made those balls, I ate them for like three days straight. Yeah, I'm like that as well, yeah. But sometimes I get so obsessed that it, it, like, smoked salmon, I did that, and now I'm a bit like, ugh. (laughs) Over it. Sometimes I, I like, enjoy it, but, because I just overdid it so much at one stage, um, I sort of ruined it for myself, but the uh, tuna rice balls are Mm. up there. That's a good one. Mm. Mine's always chicken wings. If I'm cooking for myself, JP doesn't really like them. What? Yeah, I know. It's like, he doesn't like like, eating chicken off the bone. Whereas, like, me and my mum, like, when I had my mum on here as well, and she talked about chicken wings. Um, So, yeah, when I'm just having an evening on my own, just having a plate of chicken wings on the sofa, that's mine. But that's probably from, like, maybe your... South African heritage, would you say? Maybe, yeah. Cooking, like, with me. I mean, this is only from... I had quite a few South African friends in Saudi, and they loved a braai. Oh, yeah. So I used to, like, love it when I went there. They (laughs) braai, and they just have, like, the best things. And they'd always have, like, chicken or... A lot of steak. A lot of steak, lamb ribs. And they tell me about... um, Is it schnook? The fish? Uh, I can't have fish, so maybe. I oh can yeah, so they would be like, "Oh, we used to, we get this type of fish. It's called schnook, mm-hmm. and um, they live near Cape Town. Oh, uh, okay. And they tell me about this fish, so I really feel like there's things that I've, I've always wanted to go to South Africa mm-hmm. as well. Maybe one day that I'm like, "Oh, I'd have to try this schnook that um, you know my friends in Saudi always told me about." But yeah, I don't know. Maybe. That's why you love your chicken wings, but maybe it's a family thing. I think it's a lot to do with family. Yeah. Family stuff. But yeah. Uh, there is like a calmness, I think, to cooking like a meal for yourself and just sitting and enjoying it. Do you it. just have wings and then that's it? Yeah. Yeah. I, like, I love that. It's so pure. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I must only have these wings and enjoy these wings. Um, no, I totally get that. Sometimes I'll make spring rolls and just eat spring rolls. Yeah, yeah. There's, I I totally relate to that. Mm. And I mean, I don't know what JP's on about. I love a chicken. Drink. I know, I know. He's mad. What do you do them in? Whatever I've got. I like a um, I've got like a smoked chili sauce. That's actually my auntie's recipe. Mm-hmm. Um, and you like smoke the chilies and then um blend it with 
garlic and um, stuff, and it's so good. And that's, I think that's my favourite mm. favorite one. Yeah. Like, marinate it before and then... Oh, God. Maybe on the third one back to eating meat I'll have to uh, have some chicken wings your banana ketchup's good for chicken wings as well they're there I love it with thighs mm. grilled thighs as well um pork belly mm. pork belly um yeah I've not done a whole chicken yet I think that's my next step that would be cool yeah you could do like a uh, beer butt chicken barbecue chicken I, I've been watching loads of couples come down with me over Christmas they're just hilarious <laughs> and they, they did a beer can chicken I was like I've never actually done that before yeah um, so I think I've done it once it's quite fun but is it just so that the chicken cooks um perfectly because it's up and then I think the idea is there's some beer still in the can so then that steams it from the inside with that flavour uh-huh. Yeah, maybe like a funky IPA might be nice for that. I think so. Like a tropical IPA within the barbecue ketchup. Maybe next month Mm. I'll let you know if I do a whole chuck and then uh, see how that goes. But yeah, no, BK's good for chicken. That's Mm. what I usually use it for, to be honest, like marinating Mm -hmm. stuff. And when people are like, what can I use it for? I'm like, you can use it on anything, but I do like to use it for marinating. I think, yeah, that's definitely... Well, I I like to marinate and then have a bit on the mm. side as well. Mm. Um, so we're talking about the sauce. Yes. What's the plan for Mama Z twenty twenty two? Well, I don't know really. Like, I keep thinking maybe I could launch another product, but there's not really anything. Sauce wasn't like my main, you know, business. It was sort of I was. I had my banana ketchup on my menu anyway when I did my street food. And then I did my hot sauce for a little bit for some specials. And was like, I quite like a spicier sauce and then one that's not. But keeping in line with, like, you know, the Filipino condiment side. And then obviously hot sauce is a bit of a play on words with me. Um, and the dish sinigam, that's where it sort of came from. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think... For now, I'm just focusing on just doing more cooking classes Uh, because the last one I did um, just before Christmas... Looked really fun. It was like... This sounds so corny, but I didn't sleep that night. It got rescheduled like three times Mm -hmm. because of COVID. The last one was going to go ahead and it, you know, you've been planning something for ages. I had the aprons embroidered, you know, I was really looking forward to it. I was like... I did goodie bags, you know, all this stuff. And then it was like, oh, only two people can come because everyone else was isolating. And I was like, oh, God, it's just not feasible. So then I was like, right, we'll reschedule it again to October. And then I did it. And it was like the same feeling that I got from the supper clubs where everyone was a bit shy and, you know, COVID. And then for like three hours everyone just relaxed and had a really nice time everyone was friends everyone was cooking together you know people were exchanging instagrams by the end of it like it was just so nice and i was like this is what i want to do and i was like buzzing when i went to bed and uh, I no it doesn't sound corny it's amazing i just couldn't sleep because i was like that was so good i loved it and just like the aprons looked amazing mm-hmm. like, i was just really happy with like how it all went and don't get me wrong, there was like, I came away from it and I was like, I'll do this next time and 
to maybe make that slightly better but everyone came away from it and was like that was really great like we had that's just your business brain constantly looking to improve evolve, yeah. <laughs> um but no it was i think that's the direction i want to sort of um go into and i'm actually doing cooking classes with cracking good food nice so either if it's with mum or for the charity mm-hmm. um kind of want to do like you know, giving back a little bit, like sort of teaching, because it's one thing people like eating your food, but it's another thing for people to actually want to cook your food. Like that's really interesting in itself. And you know, I thought people would just come, but they were like asking me loads of questions. It was quite like immersive, and you know, like it was nice that people like were genuinely interested to come and like ask about your culture and who taught you this and. Like, it was just really nice. I can't explain it. It was really wholesome. Just, like, just such a good night. So I'm looking forward to hopefully booking in some next ones because it was just really good. I'll be there. Yeah, you have to come. (laughs) Aw. Just want to chat with you forever, but (laughs) I better let you go. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming out. And honestly, like, when I was thinking about starting this podcast... There were a few people that came to mind straight away, and you're definitely one of them. Oh, thank you. Like, you put so much love into your food. I've worked with you a couple of times, and I can see behind the scenes how much care you put into everything. And then it really just shows your food, and your food's so amazing because of the love you put into it. Thank you. Thank you for coming and sharing your stories. Thanks for having me. It's lovely, and I can't, I mean, you know, I love a good podcast. I can't wait to see who else you have on and to listen to their stories because. It's nice, isn't it? It's a nice community um, that we're part of, especially in the city. Yeah. Um, so I can't wait to listen to it. Oh, thank you. So, See you yeah. later. Bye. Bye. Wasn't that lovely? I absolutely love trusting sauce and it was so nice to do it in person. You can follow Zoss on Instagram at Cooking with Mama Z, um, and you can buy her sauces on her website, cookingwithmamazee.com. If you live in Manchester or near Manchester, be sure to sign up to one of her classes and keep an eye out for the next Buddha fight because I imagine tickets will go super fast. As always, if you enjoyed the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. Apparently it really helps other people to find it. You can also follow me on Instagram at Cooking for Love Podcast where I share pictures and recipes from things we've chatted about that week. Um, I hope you have a great week and I'll see you next time.